Welcome to the Dare to Care podcast, brought to you by HR Culture. And now here's your host, Susan Judd. Welcome everyone, I'm Susan Judd and this is the Dare to Care podcast. Today I'm feeling really proud to introduce you to my absolutely delightful guest, who I must disclose I have known her entire life since the day she was born, my beautiful niece, Georgia Callaghan. Georgia is currently 24 years old, so right on the cusp of two generations, Generation Y and Generation Z. I've decided to do my introduction of Georgia before she actually joins us all in the recording studio, because I don't want her to be embarrassed or nervous to speak a truth throughout the actual interview. So, after finishing Year 12 about six years ago, Georgia headed off to university. During school, she worked from about the age of 15 at her local McDonald's, moving up the ranks from fries to drive through and McCafe. I'm sure many of our listeners may have done the same thing. I will allow Georgia to tell her you her own work story, but for, suffice to say, she has had a, a few different jobs since leaving school. Whilst working through university, then working in full-time employment and going back to university to do a master's whilst working full-time, and that's where she is now. What I believe is so amazing about Georgia is that she's one of the bravest, if not the bravest people I one of the bravest people I know. Sometimes it's the people you least expect to be the ones that inspire you the most. Whilst her journey is hers to tell if she chooses to do so, sometimes we think and believe we truly have obstacles to overcome and then someone comes along that we least expect and educates us without really meaning to that our obstacles are merely bumps or potholes in the road. I'm getting emotional, listeners. She won't tell you, but she is brave and strong and inspiring. And I think her perspectives and thoughts about my five questions are worth sharing. So today, I'm going to ask Georgia about her experiences of work from her mid-twenties perspective. So before I invite her in, and when I invite her into the studio, I'd like everybody to give her a warm welcome. And I'm imagining applause. Um, I'm going to extend her a super warm welcome um, for joining us today. So hang on a minute, I'll go and get her. So, uh, so listeners, I'd like to extend a super warm welcome to Georgia Callaghan for joining us today. Hi, Georgia, and welcome to the show. Hi. Do I call you Susan or Auntie? No. <laughs> Whatever you like. They know. You listeners, I've introduced you as my niece, so if you want to call me Auntie, you can. Okay. Well, I'll probably interchange the two because I'll forget to call you <laughs> Suze. So... Um, it's, it's actually, um, I'm really excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, Excellent. Now, before we get into asking you the five questions, um, that I've already, um, sent you to have a think about, to get your views and perspectives as a a millennial, um, of your experiences in the workplace, I actually want you to give, um, give our listeners a bit of, tell, tell them a little bit about yourself, give them a bit of background about um, who you are, your work experience, your education, before we then hit the questions. So. Sure. Okay. Um, so, so I'm, I'm Georgia. I am 24, turning 25 this year. Um, so I'm a 95 baby, meaning that I'm pretty much the last year of Gen Y verging on Gen Z. Um, so. Uh, my perspective is coming from a Gen Y, but it's probably a little bit Gen Z as well. Um, so I obviously I finished year twelve. I did my um, HSC 
vaguely I was unwell, so I kind of half sat my HSE. Then I did an undergrad, my first degree, straight out of high school, um, uh, doing a Bachelor of Health Science because I thought I wanted to be a radiographer. Uh, didn't get the marks to do that. So I went in thinking, I'll just do something that can bridge me across. So I did that degree. It was a three-year degree um, majoring in movement science. And then once I finished the degree, I realised I hated radiography and thought I wanted to be a physio, as does everyone that does allied health. Um, but before I went to do a master's or a second degree, I thought maybe I should, you know, do some, of, some work in that area to figure it out. So um, I did a little bit of work. I took a year off uni and then I went back to uni, didn't do anything related to physio at all at uni, but now I've got a postgrad degree in sexual and reproductive health, majoring in reproduction and fertility. So um, it's kind of like a public health degree. It doesn't have any direct specialisation outside of um, the degree. Um, so I've got those two degrees. Um, other than doing a little bit of physio um, work, I started working when I was 14 and nine months, like at the very start of when you're actually legally able to work at McDonald's, my favourite, loved it, five years working at McDonald's um, through my, my high school and some of my uni um, life. And um, that was a really, I would recommend McDonald's to any first-time workers, like any, any kids in high school. It's amazing, super flexible. Everyone working there is your age, so it's really, you have like a good community there and there's really good culture and it just teaches you so many good skills that you need um, kind of in your career. Then I worked as a waitress, so I worked in hospitality for a little while, which I hated. Um, and then while I was finishing my undergrad, I worked as a sales associate at a project home building company, which was good for uni, but challenging in terms of, um, the actual workplace. Um, and then once I finished my degree, I stopped working there and I started working at a physio. So I was doing, um, I kind of progressed to be the admin slash office manager and was actually teaching clinical Pilates at the time as well. So extremely you know, versatile job. Um, now, then I kind of started my second degree and I got a job working at a medical college, um, just doing admin again, um, worked there. I'm still, I still work at the medical college, but doing a different role now. Um, but I finished my degree and now I'm not using my degree at all, which is very distressing to me because I've got two degrees and I'm using neither of them. Um, but... I really hope that in the near future I can move on from what I'm doing and work in the women's health kind of field. But that's pretty much my 10 years of work experience so far. And it's really interesting. You've got two degrees, which I think is fantastic. But I don't think, and, and, I, and I don't mean a but, but uh, when I think about that, I think, okay, you're not the only person I would think of your age that has two degrees. Absolutely not working in that area that that's exactly right my um my boyfriend also has, area of expertise yeah he he also has two degrees and he so he's got a, a bachelor of um, it, um international communications and a bachelor of philosophy and he's partway through a master's of research and he's been unemployed he can't get a job but i'm going to talk about that later because <laughs> okay it's a whole point in itself um, but yeah, you're hundred percent right. We, we, we all do degrees. We've all got degrees now. And really, I don't know many people unless they've done a specialized degree, like for example, nursing, physio, um, 
uh, HR or something, um, that they've come out and actually worked in the field that they actually have their degree in. Mm. So it's almost more like you just stay working in the, the, the workplace that you were working in while you were studying. Do you know? So it's, it's, it's less like we need degrees anymore and more just work experience. But that's a whole topic. Yeah, that's another that's, whole that's topic. That's a huge challenge, I think, for Gen Y and Gen Z, Gen Z now is, is having degrees and not having them valued. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe that's a consequence. I know it's a totally different podcast topic, I feel, but it's, that's a whole, you know, um, that, that whole area of the push for everybody to go to university, which happened about 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Getting straight out to work and going into trades or apprenticeships or whatever and, you know, staying at school, doing Year 12, going to yeah. university. There was a massive push um, right. from an education perspective about 20 years ago, well before you or maybe more now, well before you graduated, probably before you were in high school, even in high school. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, that push for everyone to go to university and to make and university I, accessible to lots of people. Yeah, and I, I actually, um, like, like you said, it's probably not, you know, relevant to the, the current podcast, but just as a slight tangent, this is what I was having the conversation with, with mum about um, the other day was that she was saying to me that she's recruiting at the moment and she doesn't even look for degrees on people's resume anymore because she said that we, my generation, have shot ourselves in the foot because we all have degrees. And then I got mad at her and I was like, no, you shot us in the foot because you made us get degrees. <laughs> and that's right. Like we, we were all kind of, you know, pushed like, okay, you need to get a good HSC mark so you can go to uni. You all have to go to uni so you can get a job. But now we've all got these degrees and they're not, they're not valued at all. Like they, yeah. Well, there's no job in that special. There's no, they're either not specialised enough or they're not, um, or there's not enough jobs in those areas for you That's to right. actually get an opportunity to show an employer what you have. That's right. And I think uh -oh. as well, because so many people have degrees, they want people that have the degree and the experience now, mm. which is really difficult to get. You, you can't mm. get experience if no one's going to give you experience. Yeah. So it makes me feel like this conversation's come round to a point already where I feel like I need to ask you your first question. Please. Perhaps, because perhaps we're getting you already into the meat and bones without asking the question. I know, so, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> have a drink of water, have a sip of water while I ask you the question. So um, for, our listeners perspective, for, for our listeners' sake and for your sake, let's just run through some of the things I'm going to ask you. Firstly... I'm going, to ask, I'm going to ask you five questions, the same five questions I ask all my guests. Sometimes they just have a little bit of a different slant based on uh, the age of the um, guest or the experience of the guest. So today my five questions are going to be around the challenges you've experienced in the workplace, your best experiences from the workplace, some of the, you know, some of the fabulous things that have happened to you, um, what you believe... The, are the expectations of an employer in your experience, um, you know, and if you think we're able to meet them or as Gen Zs, they're able to meet them. That's question three. Question four is what do you see as the critical skills for the future for young yep. people entering the world of work? And our fifth and last question is, and you can choose which way you want to answer this question, Georgia, what is the best advice you can give new workers entering the workplace or if you don't feel you have any yet you can answer about 
what your own hopes and dreams are for the workplace. So there are our five questions, just to recap for our listeners. So to get started, let's ask you your first one. Let's circle back and, and I'll ask you what challenges you've experienced already. Now, you've got 10 years <laughs> up your sleeve, right, pretty much? Yeah. yeah. So what sort of challenges have you experienced? Um, this one was a really interesting one because I, f- I honestly found it easier to write what my challenges are in the workplace and the experiences that I've had that have been challenging, easier to write about than my best experiences, yeah. which is concerning. Normal. Um, no, it's normal. Uh, yeah, but, like, it's an interesting way to reflect on, on work because it's like, why am I feeling like there's only bad experiences? But anyway, um, <laughs> stressful. Um, no, so um, I've got a few points. The, the first one that I think is a really big one is... Um, just being taken seriously. It's really difficult as a young person. I can't speak on behalf of young males, but I know that as a young female, it's very difficult to be taken seriously in the workplace. Generally that's filled with a lot of um, generations above me. So like, you know, Gen X baby boomers, they, they look at, they, they see me and they say, they seem millennial. I don't even know what that means to be honest. I don't even know what millennial means, but I'm instantly categorized as a millennial and I don't have the ability to then show them um, kind of that I, you know, I, I bring all these skills and all this knowledge with me. I know that you guys have got all this beautiful experience and, and knowledge and I value that completely, but it's, I think it's really difficult. I think it's really challenging being young and seen as having no life experience and not being wise and just instantly stereotyped as a millennial in the workplace it's really hard to overcome that barrier once it's been put there for you. And it kind of is, I think that being called a millennial can often mean um, like non-conforming, which I struggle with as well because it's like I'm not trying to challenge you. I'm not trying to not conform to what you want, but you've instantly put that, that um, like you've made that assumption of me and I don't think that it, it exists for me. Um, but because of who I am, that, that's, that's already there. So I have then the challenge to overcome, like to prove myself as actually being a good worker and not being lazy and not being, um, you know, having being wise and, and actually bringing something of value to the company. So I've really found that to be a challenge and, I, and I've found that to be a challenge across every kind of field that I've worked in so far. Um, wow. Sorry, I'm just wowing everybody. Because <laughs> I think, yeah, because... Uh, it's a really great, it's a really interesting perspective and really valuable to share it. So I won't, I'll let you keep going. <laughs> yeah, you're the first, you're the first person I've interviewed in my, in all of the episodes that has brought up this particular issue of stereotypes. So yeah. I've heard around the, tra- you know, I've heard in my experience, lots of employers talking about millennials and entitlement and lazy and yeah. You know, um, uh, uh, you know th- those kinds of things. But when you flip it on its head and go, well, what's that feel like from the other side? That's right. You just and actually think, said that. I think. I think as well. It's it's kind of twofold because you guys stereotype, you know, millennials as being millennials, and and there is that stereotype of laziness and um, not being invested and being disengaged and and not caring about the company's goals. Um, but then you know we stereotype baby boomers and Gen X as well. We kind of say, oh, well, well they aren't going to trust me. But 
yeah, it's just always been my experience that I'm just instantly a millennial and, and I have to overcome that barrier and they're not going to, they're not going to try and do that with me. It's not yeah. a combined so one sided, like, let me now prove to you that I'm, I'm, I'm actually a good worker. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was a really, that was the first point I wrote down and that was instant. Like that was definitely the first thing that, that came to mind. I think the only place that I didn't struggle with that as much was when I was working at the physio and that's solely because everyone working there was a Gen Y. Yeah. And they all respected everyone for their roles. Yeah. Um, um, I, so I've also got um, the, the point, maybe it's because I've always worked in kind of bottom of the ladder roles but always being told that the role is replaceable so not feeling like you're so, so pretty much being told you're not a valued person in the workplace it, it might not span across all workplaces but in my experience it's been like oh well if you leave we, we can replace you anyway don't worry about it we don't care about your loyalty anyway um so that's that's a challenge because it's like i feel like i can bring something to the table and you don't care about that um and that that's I've got another point that's about knowledge and skills not being valued, but that's kind of one and the same, pretty much being told like we don't care whether you, you stay or leave because you don't have the knowledge or the skills and you're not valued in the workplace. Um, I think Abby in a previous podcast made a point about um, respect and I really empathised with her on that one. Um, that comes back to the not being taken seriously and kind of having that stereotype there is just like, automatically you kind of lose respect and you feel like you have to get their respect. It's not an automatic thing. Um, and, and then when, when you don't have respect and you don't feel like you're valued, you, you feel like you don't have a voice. You're already not being taken seriously. You're already being told, you know, we can replace you. Your knowledge and skills aren't being valued. And then at that point it's like, well, whatever I say now or whatever I bring, if I find a problem and I'm trying to solve it, they're not going to hear it. They don't care. I need to prove that they, that, that what I'm saying is valuable before I can bring something to the table. And all of that is such a, a challenging barrier. Yeah. Um, so there's that as a whole point in itself, really, um, which, as you said, is probably something that you wouldn't be able to get from a, a different generation. Um, so the second point that I have is an also a really interesting one for me. Um, I, I obviously haven't worked in a workplace for that um, but I know that as a, a generation and upcoming generation, so Gen Z as well, um, I think that the um, kind of push for titles and hierarchy and kind of this kind of ladder in a workplace isn't valued anymore. We actually don't care about it at all and I know that I hate it. It's my least favourite thing about a workplace. I hate hierarchy. I hate... Maybe that's because of the previous point that I made about, you know, feeling not respected yeah. is that I just hate the fact that it's like, okay, we've got senior leaders here and then we've got, you know, management here and then this person and this person and then we've got admin. I've always been an admin person so I've been, always been the bottom of the hierarchy. That's hard for anyone, not yeah. just this generation. Yeah. Um, that, that in itself, just a hierarchy thing, doesn't let your skills and knowledge be valued, let alone being a millennial. So having that come together is like, how will I ever be heard? Um, I think that there's, well, I know that this is how I feel. I feel like we care more about the people that actually just get the work done. And 
often it can feel like are you talking about employees they feel like they just it's they're more important employees feel like the people who get the work just get the work done um probably yes but I, i also feel like from my perspective that i don't value or i don't see um that the workers that are like that the the managers or the employer that just comes across as like just the bossy manager that's not getting any work done or doesn't come across as doing actually doing anything yeah. that we lose respect. It's, it, it's really, it's actually, I don't really know exactly how to explain what I'm trying to say, but for example, I'll use an example because it might be easier. I val- in my workplace, I value my admin person more than I value my manager because he doesn't bring any value to me. And my admin person does. And I'm only saying that as an example because I'm just trying to say that I really don't care about hierarchy that much. Like, obviously, I'm going to be respectful to my manager. Obviously, I'm going to stay professional. But I really think that Gen Y and Gen Z see a, try and see a bigger picture of the people that are actually in the workplace and not just the employer or the management. Yeah. Which maybe is the same for, which is probably the same for everyone. Um, but kind of the overall point I'm making is that the, the, the titles and the hierarchy in, in a workplace is a big challenge. Um, and then the last point that I've got, do you have any other things you want to add to that bit? No. Because I'm, I'm, I'm just here listening. I'm I'm just, wow, okay. So, um, for, so for some, you know, if you think about the baby boomers, hierarchy was the way they grew up through organisations. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's the lot, like, and because baby boomers grew up thinking it's important to stay long-term in jobs, so, you know, when they first started their careers back in their, you know, teens and late teens and tw- early 20s, you know, they started in those lower jobs. Yeah, you know, and worked up the ladder. And worked up a ladder, but worked up a ladder over decades. Yeah, decades. Yeah. And, and I think that's... I think so that's hierarchy what, gives them security. Yeah. It's I think the, that's the point I'm trying to make is that that really doesn't exist for us anymore and we so, yeah. we can so easily just change jobs. Essentially, we we don't have that same loyalty that you, that the generations above us have. So we can just say, oh, well, you know, I'll just go somewhere else, whatever. Yeah, and so now you're starting to talk about here. <laughs> now you're starting to talk about loyalty because when you when and and I don't know if it's chicken or egg, right? Yeah, yeah. Or, or horse and car because you're in your first point. It's 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 really important to be taken seriously, um, and that and when you're not, it feels like um, you're not valued and not heard, and so. Um, and, and your vibe is that your employer or your managers don't care about how loyal you could be. So then when they, threat, when they tell you, you know, when they tell you, well, okay, you know, if you go, yeah. you're replaceable, it's, it's hard because then you're like, well, okay, then well, I'll go anyway. If yeah. I'm not valued, I can get a job somewhere else. See ya. Because yeah. hierarchy yeah. and security isn't that important to me like it is to you. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's a, that's a big point of the thing I'm trying to make is that, that that hierarchy, that loyalty to stay in a company, to climb the ladder, that isn't important to us anymore. We've all got degrees, so we've obviously, like, you know, for example, having a communications degree. I want to work in communications. I don't care about now being a manager or then now overseeing a team of all these communications people. I just want to do communications. Yeah. Obviously, there will be a point in our life where we want that kind of professional development, of course. Like, we want to grow within a company, but... 
we don't we don't need to be loyal to a company anymore. Yeah, yeah. So we we don't and loyal to we, yourself, loyal to a to having a job and learning. Yeah, yeah. And if we're not getting what we need out of a company, we're not like getting everything we need out of a company. We'll just be like, okay, bye. Yeah, look elsewhere. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, is that your challenges? Um, one more. <laughs> we just we just we just touched on it, but it's very very quick. I just want to say that a big challenge is that a lot of companies now. Um, talk a lot about how they offer professional development. Yeah. And I have never once, that's a bit of a, you know, a fib, but growth and professional development, and this is exactly what we're just talking about, is not really offered that much in a workplace. It's okay. really Okay, can I ask some questions now then? Because uh, I think yeah. it's a really interesting point. Because we know that the research tells us that millennials or Gen Ys and Gen Zs, they want to work for people who will invest in their professional development. That's yeah. what the research tells us, right? Yeah. yeah. And what you're saying is in your experience, apart from Maccas, who where you go through a process, right, you go through yeah. a, a, a development process, when you get out of, outside of that kind of structured process and into um, different workplaces, in your experience... It's said it's a recruitment strategy to say we will work we will, we will invest in your professional development. That's right. But yeah, it's not being delivered. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. It's being okay. told to us. You get professional development, and then you get in there, and it all ties in with the um, them feeling like we're not going to be loyal. Us being like, well, we can just buzz off if we, yeah. uh, you know, so if we're not getting everyone out of the company, and there needs to be that kind of trust between between the employer and the employee to be able to know like, yeah, they're going to stick around. So we'll invest in them, but there's and still that. Say, can I interrupt? When you say professional development, I'm, I'm, I might be putting you on the spot here. What do you mean? Um, what kind of professional development? I mean, I don't know what I think it is. Yeah. From your perspective. Um, I think it doesn't, to me, it doesn't mean like have this promotion, have yeah. more money. That doesn't, that's not what professional development is to me. I, I just want to learn as much as I can from each right. different part of my career. Right. And So is it being given I, the opportunity to do different sorts of training? Yeah. So, for example, you know, I would love at my workplace now if, you know, once in a blue moon they decide they'll run a workshop on how to better your presentation skills. Everyone yeah. needs to better their presentation skills. Or, um, you know... Let someone come. Let a junior come and sit in on a on a um, on a senior management meeting just to see what goes on, or just to to know, like kind of see how a meeting would run. That's yeah. kind of outside of their scope. Yeah. Or um, for someone who like a direct report for a manager to, to say to them, like you know, these are these are what I value, um, or these are the skills that I feel like I need as a manager. If you ever want to, you know, just give advice, just anything, anything, yeah. and. Okay. Maybe um, I haven't got that because, you know. So, so we're what you're saying is just be provided with opportunities to learn more about business skills, about um, personal personal skills that yeah. you can carry anywhere else you go. That's right. And I don't um, think it has to be something that's, you know, going to cost the business money. I think, yeah. you know, you could you could get someone from an employee from the from the actual your actual workplace and say hey you're really good at you know presenting powerpoints do you want to run a workshop during a lunch break 
yeah. for people that want to join on on what you do to make your presentation skills so good. Just something like that. Just yeah. anything. It could be anything. Yeah. Just, just give me something so I can learn something new. Yeah. Because we're all coming into these um, jobs with degrees. We've all kind of got that little back knowledge. We don't actually have the experience and we just uh, want... It sounds like you've got, you know, as you say, you've got degrees, so you've got theoretical knowledge. Yeah, we, we don't. Got, and you've got lots of knowledge about high-level things, right? Yeah. But then you, it's the actual everyday, day-to-day, pragmatic business skills yeah. that will and get you to the next, you know, that will, that will actually impact your career. Right? Yeah. And right. maybe give you the experience you need to get, like to do more in that organisation. Yeah. To, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So that's by that. But um, it is, it's a tricky one. And I think that, um, Really, yeah. it, it's it's it feels like you've really considered the the answer with all your dark points. Anyway, yeah. then we move on to your best experiences. Please, let's now flip it. Um, yeah, let's flip it. Your best experiences. As I said before, like this one was a really tricky one to answer because I feel like I should have a lot of um, really good, beautiful, lovely workplace experiences, but it actually was quite challenging. I just. My first point that I've got is kind of like a big and very like philosoph- philosophical, deeper meaning kind of one. Um, but I think that Gen Y and Gen Z, what we kind of look for in a workplace or in our actual role in a workplace is just having a meaning or having a purpose and actually just being able to kind of see that. Like I'll, I'll kind of explain a little bit better. I think that we, we kind of watched, and we touched on it before, we, we watched the generation before us and watch you guys and watch baby boomers strive for that kind of American dream style of living where they've got the, the job and, as we talked about, like the loyalty, you stay, you climb the ladder in your business, you have a really comfortable job, big house, dog, kids, you, get, you, know, you have that life. And then we watched it all fall apart. Because people then realise, oh, I'm actually really unhappy and I hate my job and um, had no meaning in what they were doing in their everyday life and they were just like, oh, I just have to stick in this job because I really feel like it's comfortable. And I think that because of, that's not the only reason, but that's a big reason we strive for the opposite. We don't care about that comfortable job. We really just want that dynamic kind of work life where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm not happy here. This isn't bringing me joy anymore. I need to find something else. I need to go elsewhere. This isn't right for me. This is the wrong culture. I need to go somewhere. And the longer that we're in a job where we're not happy and doesn't bring us any joy, the more disengaged we become. And that's when we become our stereotypical millennial. Yeah. And um, then we become lazy and disengaged and we have our device distraction, um, which is, you know, we've t- you have talked about a lot in your previous podcasts. Um, it's just something I've heard for more than a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that this is... And they say to me, what do we need to do? What is it that we need to do to get people to put down their device? And I had a guest on a couple of episodes ago um, who was, you know, who kind of talked about, um, you know, if, if, exactly what you're saying. If they're not, um, if, they're, if they're picking up their phone, A, if they're picking up their phone 
and they sh and it's outside of regular hour, you know, outside of a break time, then it's no different to what we might have done, if somebody might have done in the past and picked up a magazine, right? Exactly. Yeah. When they're meant to be being productive, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other point you're making is this is something we start to we might start to do as a cohort when we become disengaged. Yeah, hundred percent. When we don't have purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. We, we, we absolutely will do it as like, you know, as a replacement of like a smoke break or a tea break or, um, you know, just having a little bit of like, if you were going to flick on the news on your computer, just yeah. to have a quick look, I, I would pick up my phone five minutes on Instagram and they'd be like, okay, that's all I need. Just like yeah. to have a brain break and then come back. Yeah. Um, but I think another big factor that if, you know, if you're on your phone a lot, that is a huge, like that's a huge red flag okay i'm disengaged with what i'm doing i'm bored i I've, I've lost my goal i've lost my meaning i've lost the purpose of the job and yeah. I, I need to kind of get that back yeah. um that's and, good for employers to know actually yeah because that actually puts them in an in an empowered position to yeah. say if i'm noticing this is happening then i have to have a communication with my person Right, I have Absolutely. to then sit down with that person and say, "I've noticed you uh, are on your device a bit more frequently. Can you tell me what's going on for you?" You know, yeah. and so have that open conversation about um, and being able to trust that whatever's going to happen there, we're going to resolve this together. So, you know, when you're then able to say, "Look, I've, I don't, I've, I'm, I'm a bit lost." Yeah. Um, then, okay, well, let's talk about that. Let's reinvigorate the purpose. Let's look at your job. Let's look at the goals. Maybe I'm not, yeah. maybe I, as an employer, maybe, or a manager, maybe I'm letting you down. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a point. Like maybe, um, you know, th there comes into it like, you know, I will have lost my own purpose or goal or whatever. But is the employer or the manager being transparent in what the actual goal is? Is there proper communication between the employee and the employer about what's required? Um, and, and is the employer approachable to ask questions if they don't know what they're doing or if they need help? Um, but as well, I think another point about devices, which is a bit of a sidetrack, but we're going there anyway. Um, I don't think you're ever going to stop us going on our phones. We have literally grown up with phones. And I think it's almost like a, a fantasy to expect that. Like I'm, I am a Gen Y and it's only going to get worse as the generations come through because I, I didn't grow up with a phone. I got a phone as a, I think I was 14, um, which is, you know, still a kid, but my baby cousin's first words were iPad. I mean, like, that, that's a whole other realm of, but I think it's, it's really, it's, it's not something that's going to change. I think it's something that's just going to have to be adapted to, but 100%, um, I think if the more you're on it and the more you're picking up your device or reaching for it, the more disengaged you are with your work. And um, you've said previously that, um, you know, it takes a long time to get focus back once you reach for your phone that's 100% right. But when you can, like, it's also a pr procrastination form. Like yeah. if I'm, I'm not engaged with my work and I'm not focused with what I'm doing, of course I'm going to reach for something that's engaging me more. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, so phones are a big thing, but I think back to what we were talking about, which I've kind of lost track of now, oh, having that meaning. That, and purpose you were talking in, about your best experiences. And I know. I know. You really got to purpose. And for me, 
I, like I'm happy with purpose because I think if young people, if businesses or, and leaders in organisations can share their purpose and get young people, whether they're Ys or Zs, to buy into that purpose yes. and then maintain that energy towards the purpose and everything channels into the purpose, yes. then the good experiences, yeah, the, the, the challenges will be overcome. Yeah. And I think what, what I 100% agree with you and I think they need to give it as a global scale that purpose for what's the purpose for the company? Like why are we doing what, we doing, what we're doing? Yeah. And then also give purpose to the exact role. So if, yeah. if it's a lot of fan, yeah. Just say the purpose of your role is safety. We need you to keep, you know, these people safe. Yes. That's it. You need to remember that that's the purpose. And if you're on your phone, you can't keep people safe. You can't keep people safe. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a tricky example because people, I think, are always going to be on their phone if they're a lollipop person because they aren't that engaged. There's not a lot going on. There's not a lot going on. They're flipping. And that. That's a whole other thing. But I don't know. I think Ross Cargill, shout out to Ross Cargill from yeah. Men at Work, I think yeah. he might disagree with you. There's 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100% he does. But, I mean, we've always been so stimulated and when you're put into a job where there's not that much stimulation, you're going to reach for stimulation. Yeah. And COVID is a perfect example of that because it's like we're putting, we're putting this isolation and we're all like, oh, my God, what do we do? Like, we need to be over, we need to be stimulated all the time. How do we just relax? And so that's like a whole, that's, that's another reason why we reach for our phones. Like, we need that stimulation all the time. Like, if we are disengaged, we're not stimulated, we're reaching for our phone. If we're a low-pop person and there ain't nothing happening on the roads, we're reaching for our phones. Mm. It's, 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 how do you combat that? What, what mm. is the... I know. I tell you what. If I had the res- if I had the resolution to that, I would be doing a different kind of podcast. Yeah, and you'd also probably be very rich. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> um, so, but hold on. Let me just. Let me, you got more to say? No, I just wanted to, you know, lead it actually into a good experience because I never actually did that. I just wanted to say that the um, um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought. Um. The best experience that I've had that have where I felt like I've brought purpose or a purpose or a meaning to a job is when I've actually brought value to another person. Wow. So my best experience is, um, and particularly when it's another person from another generation, if I can get that human connection with someone that is a baby boomer and I can bring them value, that's a whole nother level of purpose and meaning. So I, particularly when I was working as a Pilates instructor, I could bring value and help people that were suffering or of a different, you know, generation or have that connection with someone, that was really a big thing and a really good experience for me. Um, purpose. Okay, you've made me happy now because you said purpose and human connection. Yay! Good. Happy day. Um, um, so another thing that's been really good, as a good experience in the workplace, is having a mentor. Ooh, okay. Um, because of that original thing that I was talking about, kind of that barrier, so nice to have someone that kind of actually cares for you and, and wants you to develop and wants, you know, to be a mentor and train and, and help you learn and help you develop. Um, it, it, it's rare to come by. It's really actually quite hard to come by someone that you feel like is a good mentor and that would be there for you. Okay. I've got some questions. Um, Please. Yes. Firstly, I want to talk about this mentoring thing because firstly I want to ask, did you did you seek out a mentor or were you inspired 
by somebody that you met in the workplace that showed an interest in you and you thought, I could really learn from this person and they're showing an interest. So I just want to know how you came to decide on this mentor. Mm -hmm. um, 100% the second option. There's not someone that I seeked out, sought Georgia. out. Wow, Georgia, English. There's not someone that I sought out. Um, more it was someone that showed interest in me. So you weren't matched with this person? No, no. So I've, I've had one clear example in my professional life and I won't name him because I'm, you know, it doesn't matter, but he actually didn't work directly with me. He wasn't employed um, by me. The current organisation that I work with is a member-based organisation and he's actually a member. Yeah. Um, so he's a doctor. He is brilliant. He is so personable. He's so caring. He cares about everyone, doesn't, would treat, the toilet cleaner, the same as the CEO of a business was absolutely beautiful. Um, and instantly took an interest um, in me and kind of made my skills and knowledge valuable. And he, he always said to me, like, I really want you to progress because I really love working with you. And I think that you're, you know, you've got this, this, and this, you can bring all of these things to the table. And he was the first person to ever say that to me. Yeah. And so automatically I idolized him. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. He, he, he shows a bit of interest in me. He's making me feel like I'm worthy in, yeah. in the workplace. And there's not a lot in terms of, um, you know, what he does for work versus what I do for work that would be the same and he'd be able to help me with, but more just like showing how to treat someone and how to communicate. And he's in his 60s. Like he was far from my generation, but still maybe it was that he didn't automatically stereotype me as a lazy, dumb millennial. He just that was completely gone and he just treated me exactly how I wanted to be treated. And so we still talk always back and forth with, you know, we always, I'm always learning from him and, and vice versa. And it's yeah. actually really nice. And, and we do want to learn. We're, we're new to the workplace. We want to learn stuff. We want a mentor. We want someone that's going to show genuine interest in us and actually help us through um, our career. Okay. I just, I want to make the point because it's interesting because I was talking um, to another colleague only last week about a mentoring program and um, a, a person that had denied joining a mentoring program, but it was a program that matched young people up with other people. And mm -hmm. my feedback at the time was, yes, but you, a mentor has to be somebody that inspires you and you want to work with and you want to, you have this connection and yes. that builds the mentoring relationship rather yeah. than is false, um, yeah. I'm going to match you up with this person and fingers crossed you both get along. I yeah. absolutely agree with that. I, yeah. I think that a mentor isn't someone you can force on someone. Yeah. It has to be someone that there's, there is that automatic connection with. Connection. You yeah. idolise, yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, idolise is a good word because I do. I, I do idolise this person that I see as my mentor mm. and I, I want to treat people the way that he treats me. I want to be like him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it would be so different if someone said to me, uh, he's your mentor and that's it. You need him to be a mentor. I'd be like, no, go away. Leave me alone. Yeah. Let me yeah, do whatever absolutely. I want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's more something that um, oh, I don't even know. I don't think mentorship as in like allocating a person to be a mentor is the right way to go, but more just training people on how to be a better mentor. Yeah. That they can select their own people that they want to be a mentor to, but mm -hmm. at least have then some skills on what um, 
I guess, Gen Y and Gen Z are looking for in mentorship? Yeah, so it's not just, it's not, yeah, so they, the mentor needs to be clear on what to bring to the, to the relationship as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Excellent. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I did have one other point just about, um, uh, sorry, the best, just a really quick one, the best experience really that I've had of a workplace is just when there's a good culture. And that's a whole other point in which I'll probably elaborate on further a bit later on. Um, but just when you feel like you're, you have a little family or a little community in the workplace is so, so helpful in getting you through a work day. Yeah. Okay. And I think every I've generation... Hashtagged, I've hashtagged culture and community there. Yay! Yeah, new hashtag. Speaking we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Three, what expectations do you have an employer? Of what do you have of them? Of an employer. Yeah. Um, what expectations? I mean, you shared some of them already. Professional uh-huh. development, um, being valued. You know. So what? 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 So how do you summarise that? Yeah. So exactly. I've I've talked about this stuff kind of already. Growth and development development is my first point. That is something that I expect, and I don't just expect it to be written on the position description. I actually want it implemented. And as I said before, it's not being, hey, you're going to get a promotion because you're doing great work. It's, I don't, I don't want a promotion. I want to learn new skills. I want, um, you know, I want to shadow someone that works in a job above me or a job horizontal to me and, and, and find out what they're doing. I want to, you know, be able to pick up kind of different new things, um, learn better public speaking skills, you know, all of those little skills that you can't get from uni. Yeah. You need to actually be working to, to, to learn them. Yeah. And as I said, it doesn't have to be pricey. It doesn't have to be hard. It's just something little. And, and I think it'll be really valued by, by younger generations coming through. Yes. Um, okay. So that, that is a bit of a summary of growth and development. Um, I said I was going to elaborate on culture, so I will. Um, <laughs> I... I think that I honestly think that culture is everything in a workplace for a generation Y and a generation Z. There is nothing more important in the workplace than a good culture. I would quit any job with any perks, whether it be a, you know, a, a ping pong table in the, the kitchen and booze every Friday night. I would, and, and, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year to do nothing any day, I would quit that for a place that just has good culture. So if how could, do you define good culture? How do you find good culture? How do you define? Oh, how do I define? I was going to say, you tell me. Um, <laughs> I, it all, essentially, it all comes back to that. Um, hold on, I wrote a little note about it. Um, what we were talking about first, just like having that respect you know, breaking down those barriers, being able to have some sort of um, kind of responsibility and trust in a workplace, autonomy, um, not being treated like you're a millennial, (laughs) actually having a voice. um, I don't know. I I think, honestly, I would rather work in a work, in an abandoned warehouse with people that I love and would die for than 
in a company where there's great perks, but it's like a cemetery full of dead people waiting to retire and collect their check. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, you want to work in an inspiring workplace. Yeah. People are just coming there to because that's what they've always done. That's right. And I want to, I also want to work somewhere where the turnover isn't super duper high. Okay. I know that I said the staff turnover and you think, okay, we're a revolving door here. Yes. Yeah. That's the problem. And, and you know, I, I work in a workplace at the moment where the turnover rate is so high and it's the, it's the generation Y and the generation Z that are coming in and out. It's not the people that have been there for 15 years that are leaving. And it, it comes down to culture at the end of the day. Like the people that have been there for 15 years treat the new people like they're going to leave. They treat the new people without, with no respect, that they don't have a voice. There's a hierarchy, a significant hierarchy where... These people don't talk to these people. Wow. You know, so like, it's like we're coming and going. There's no loyalty anymore and, and we're treated that way and, and it kind of is like chicken and the egg because we're going to leave because we don't like the culture. But if the culture changed and, um, you know, the people that had been there for so long started trusting the new people that were coming in, maybe the turnover rate wouldn't be so high. But I don't know. I really don't know what defines culture. To be honest, I, I don't know. I, don't know. What... I think you've summarised it well, actually. You, oh, you've summarised it really well because culture is defined. It's the words, you know, culture, the definition of culture is like the way we do things around here, right? But what yeah. you're saying is hierarchy and politics and right. um, stereotyping, that's not working for young people. What yeah. was going to work for them is respect, human connection, responsibility, trust, autonomy, being valued, having a voice. Have yeah. I summarised it? You have. You've done, you're perfect. I mean, like, yeah, exactly. things you get and that's the kind of culture you're looking for. And that's that it. buys loyalty and that is a place you're not, you, you know, and if they give you on top a bit of professional development, happy dance, right? And they, and they, and they say that to you. In, the, in the, all of the PDs that go out and say, we offer great personal and professional development and growth and it's like, I have not seen, in my two years of working here, I have not seen one minute of professional development. I'm sorry, but you've got to do better if you want to keep me around. But it's, again, it's, it's that problem where it's like they don't, they don't see what skills I can bring and what I'm bringing to the table. And yeah. so I don't want to be there. The culture I don't enjoy. Um, and it makes every day difficult. It really does. Um, so I think that that's really something that employers need to work on to keep people there. Yeah. Um, okay. It's just Excellent. It's an excellent answer, by the way. Thank you. And I, I, and I didn't know you were going to give it. So. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, I've already said this next point that I've, I, I wrote down, but I pretty much said we just want autonomy and trust yeah. uh, in what we're doing and expect our employees to provide us with it. Um, and I think that the opposite is being allocated now where it's like we have to prove that we're trustworthy first rather than the opposite. We're not trusted to do our job. We have to say, we have to be able to provide something to be like, okay, this is why you should trust me. Yeah, but that all again, evidence, that. you have to evidence it. Yeah, you have to yeah. come in and be like, um, I have these skills and here's my proof. I have, you know, this. I'm going to be able to implement this project because of this. You have to always prove everything you're going to do rather than having that automatic respect and trust. Mm. Um, and so that's, um, I, I would really like to see that change a little bit. Yeah. Um, big one for gen y and gen z and i don't know this is definitely not something that can be implemented in every workplace um but i think flexibility is a big one now 
we all have the ability to telework and um, kind of work from home and work, you know, varying hours. Um, I think that that's something that not we expect from a work, from an employer now, but something that's like, if you don't have it, you're kind of falling behind. It's appreciated, is it? Yeah. It's a, uh, it yeah. is. And it's like, we can see that it's a doable thing because we all spend our lives on technology and yeah. uh, especially now we're in isolation and we're all being forced to telework. And if, if we're going to get asked by our employer now to still have to come into the office five days a week, why is that necessary? Yeah. Why? Yeah. What's the, what's the purpose of me coming in every single day? I mean, it's not a biggie, but I definitely think it's something that um, can, it's a perk that is um, appreciated. Yeah. Okay. I, I like, and particularly for people like me. So having a lot of health appointments to attend to can be really difficult if you have to take an entire day off work. It's not yeah. necessary to take an entire day off work for a two hour appointment, but you have to. Um, if I had the flexibility to work from home on the days where I had an appointment, I could work a six hour day and just have two hours for an appointment. Um, so are you saying, so I, I agree with you, um, by the way, just so you know, I'm not right. going to disagree with you on this one because I absolutely agree with you. But I also think that if you um, can achieve, if you're meant to be doing, let's say, hypothetically for the maths, an eight hour day, and you have to go to a, a particular appointment for two hours, but you can get the same volume of work done in six. Yeah. Why can't you? Would it matter? Yeah. That's it. it it's, it's like, what, what does a compressed working day look like? Yeah. Why, why can't we just... I can guarantee you that on some of the days where I have compressed working hours, I am much more productive than when I'm forced to sit down and do an eight-hour day. Yeah. I, can get, I can often get more done in six hours than eight hours. But in saying that... Um, it's not something that needs to be every day, you know, an everyday perk like, oh, yeah, you can only, you don't have to work the full eight hours a day. You can go to this appointment. That. It's something that I think that needs to be properly, openly communicated with yeah. your team and your manager, but just being given flexibility to do that and not having to have that anxiety of, oh, I've got another appointment, I have to take another day off work. Not having that, being able to be flexible with the hours that you're doing and being able to telework. Yeah. Obviously, you know, if you're working a trade or... It's very different. It's very different. In some workplaces, it's unfortunately not possible. Um, but That's in other right. places, it is, and we just don't do it because the structure of the organisation has never considered it possible. That's right, yeah. Um, and, yeah. and now, during this particular time when we're recording, it's COVID-19, we're yeah. all in lockdown, we're all in ice, hashtag isolation, uh, and it's already, it, we already know it's possible. And we've navigated already for the past four or six weeks. I don't know about you, but I've been doing it for six. Um, it's, we've already navigated through it and we're doing working in different ways and it's, it's working just fine. Yeah, um, right. In some ways we're more productive. So um, we certainly in your world, we're saving time and money on transport and hours in, hours in you know, bloody city traffic and, and, and tra public transport and all of those things and you can be fresh and you know, fresh and sitting down at your, at your laptop, um, you know, fully functioning um, yeah. without having to worry about all of that stuff. That That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think particularly now post-isolation, post, post -isolation, um, it's a huge thing that's going to be an expectation for corporate 
environments is like you have to have the ability to let me work from home. You have to have the ability to let me telework because that's a, that's a, you know, something that would deter someone, I think in the future would deter someone from, from working, particularly someone like, um, like me, I will always moving forward, look for a workplace that allows me to work from home because I am one of those people that needs it, that, you know, requires that flexibility. Um, And now that we know that it's possible, why wouldn't we be doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, are we ready to move on to question four? We are, we are. By the way, this is my longest podcast ever, just saying. Okay. Oh, Oh my God, I'm sorry. I am such a talker. I'm sorry. Okay, so question four. What do you see as the critical skills? Let's see if we can do these in a dot point version, eh? Uh, What do you see? (laughs) As the critical skills for the future that young people need to have to successfully enter the workforce. What do you think? Um, again, this was a really, like, these answer, the questions were actually quite tricky to answer, so thank you for that. Um, the first point that I wrote was about degrees and then becoming irrelevant, but we actually have already discussed that and I'm not going to get back into it because it's very... Um, so you don't think degrees are necessarily essential anymore? No, I don't. Okay. I think they've become irrelevant. Yep. And I think we're going to go into a new era, which is people not getting degrees again. Because, as I said, it's challenging getting a job just based off degrees now. You can't. You have to have experience. And you can't get experience while you're at uni. And and I think it's so interesting because even from your perspective, you've had multiple jobs and you've had experience in the workplace since... You were before you were 15. Yeah. And you were in one of those workplaces, um, you know, 10 years ago where when you worked at McDonald's, people looked at that on CVs. That's right. They've been trained at Maccas. That'll be fabulous. Uh, Exactly. Actually, my my manager still says that today. Yeah. I love that that's on your resume. And I'm like, you value my work at McDonald's more than you value my two degrees. Really? I'm paying a bomb for these. Right. So I think it's really interesting that you say that because I think I think it's it's starting to move there now. It's starting yeah. to move there now in, in high school. They're starting to have different programs that yeah. work with students on um, getting them into the workplace. And That's right. I know you've listened to my podcast, my previous episodes, so you'll know I'm already working on one of those called Fast Track to Employment for yeah. those those students in um, year 11, year 10 and 11, who know they're not going to, who don't desire a degree. That's right. right. They know they want to go out. They might want to get an apprenticeship, a traineeship, or just go out and, work, you know, work, go to TAFE, get a barista certificate or something like that. Go yeah. out and get a job. Um, That's right. Start to earn an income. And this is giving them, that particular program is giving them skills outside of the usual study, you know, year 11, 10 and 11 um, study, giving yes. them those work ready skills yeah. to, um, to go to be to be ahead of the rest. So that's kind of what you. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think you know degrees are always going to be important for the people that need a specialised degree. Yeah. Like you can't be an engineer without having an engineering degree. You can't be a doctor without a medical degree. But for people like myself who have a health science degree, what is the purpose of it now? There mm. is no point in me having that. And. I really except for, except for can I say on on the side of um, degrees is that what it demonstrates to employers from an older person's perspective is the fact that we can complete something and learn. 
is you have critical thinking skills. You're able to you're able to present an argument. You're able to think logically and and use evidence to support your thinking. Yeah. Um, you're you're able to research. You're able to project manage. You're able to there's the, all of these different skills in there. Now, I'm not sure about you. God, this sounds like a mentoring session. Um, <laughs> there's all these skills that people get in degrees that they might not have a certificate for, but because they've had a degree, and in your case, do, um, you've got some of these skills that some employers might not see. I agree with you, and I would love to say the same, but I, everyone has a degree. Yeah. There, every single person that I know has a degree. So everyone has those skills that you just rattled off. Everyone has those, but they're not valued anymore. Mm. And I think, and um, I don't know. I, I don't think that, what am I trying to say? Employers don't look at that anymore because they know that everyone has it. It's just something that's almost expected now. It's like, okay, they've got to do But I don't care. HSC used to be. Yes. And you never, you never kind of beat someone who's got, four years experience actually in the workplace just because you've got a degree. The person yeah. who's got four years work experience is always going to win out in a recruitment process. Mm. So it, it's actually, it's, it's really challenging. And I, I, I think that um, they have become irrelevant and there'll be a period of time where people stop going to uni and they start doing what you're kind of talking about where it's like, you know, all of my friends and all of um, Alan's friends who, my boyfriend, sorry, who dropped out in year 10 and are now fast tracked through their career didn't go to uni, but are like in these amazing places in their career. And here I am stuck in admin because I have two degrees and, and no work experience. Mm. It's, it's really difficult. So I would tell anyone that doesn't know what they actually want to do as soon as they get out of school to at least take a year off and just get some work experience. Don't go straight into uni. Don't jump into a degree that you know you're not sure about yeah. and, and get some experience in the workplace. So at least you can say then if you want to go and get a degree, you can at least write on your resume, okay, I've got, you know, I've got this amount of years work experience and I've also got a degree doing this. Yeah. Or you can then decide once you go into a workplace uh, to develop through this um, career path. I don't need a degree. Do you know what okay. I mean? I think yeah. That's, um, so what other skills? I think that this is a big one. I think you're going to like this one. It, knowing how to communicate effectively across generations. Knowing how to communicate with generations younger than you and particularly generations above you. You know, baby boomers don't love a text. They're not going to respond to you if you're, if you're communicating them, with them via a text. They want you to go to their office and be like, hey, I have an issue. That's what they want. You need to know how to do that. You need yeah. to have the confidence to be able to walk into uh, to, um, you know, generations above you's office and say, um, I don't know what I'm doing, help. Um, but also, so I've 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 got that as um, uh, I, yes, I've I've got effective communications across generations, but also confidence, having a little bit of confidence to have yeah. that and to understand. Okay, um, if I'm dealing with a, a baby boomer, they're going to appreciate a face to face conversation. So I need to go and approach them and say, "Hey, I want to have a conversation with you." Yeah, um, and, and it's then- scary because often you have that barrier of like, "Oh my god." Um, they just see me as this child and they're not yeah. going to listen to me. But I think that if you have the confidence and you walk in there, you know, having done your research or, you know, with a genuine query, they're not going to be like, get out. They're actually going to help you because you've actually taken the time to communicate with them in an effective way. Yeah. Um, but the same, 
it, it is tricky as well because you know kids coming out of straight out of school they're not going to know how to how to do it at first but that's something they really have to work on because there's obviously barriers there particularly now yeah um and there's you know there's a, that's obviously an issue um Marg said in her podcast that finding a common ground had seemed to work and I am 100% agree. As soon as you can find something in common with someone, it makes communicating with them so much easier. If you can find that, that, I mean, it's tricky. I'm a very extroverted person. So for me, chatting to someone until I find a common ground is fairly easy. But as someone that's like very shy and introverted, that's a really difficult skill to have. But if you can have that in a workplace, that is a huge, huge benefit. Yep. Um, Anything else? and written written communication is also as important as verbal. I think being being able to be professional and also lighthearted via an email is is also quite a tricky skill. So that's that's um, a, a big huge point. Um, I think coming into a workplace because we often feel like we're not being respected or you know our skills aren't being valued. I think coming into a workplace being creative, being productive, kind of taking initiative and being really skilled at what you can do is important because then you can, you can prove yourself. Um, so, again, that's linked back to your confidence in knowing what you know and, yeah. and taking initiative to be... And backing yourself. And backing yourself, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think it, t- it takes a lot of, you know, you need to do a lot of self-learning and development and you're probably not going to get it in your workplace. So you're going to have to do it outside of that. You're going to have to really work on your own skills and be really skilled at what you do so that you can, when given the opportunity, have a voice or you can prove yourself as being good at what you do. Um, I think um, seeking out what you actually want and loving what you do is really important for um, finding meaning and purpose in your job. Um, and I think that that really shows when you're working because it's so obvious when you're disengaged, obviously. You're sitting on your phone you don't really care. But if you can actually find what you're passionate about, and it's tricky, and I think, you know, we, we do jump around jobs and we can jump around jobs, Um and, and, and do different roles. Maybe because you're hunting for something you're passionate about. Maybe it is. I think maybe it's because we don't want to just settle for a job we know we don't like. Mm. And and maybe we're not going to get that change or that development in a workplace, in one workplace, so we jump around. I mean, it's not the only reason why we jump around. Of course, there's the culture and there's um, maybe money might come into it slightly yep. or wanting yep. some professional development. But we're not going to... Like I said, we don't want that American dream life. We, we want to find meaning and purpose in what we're doing. We want to keep jumping around until we find something we love. Yeah. And as soon as we do find something we're passionate about, we're going to be engaged with it, of course, because we have meaning. We, we know we're there. We love it. Yeah. Um, do I have anything else? I said yeah. stay professional, hugely important. Don't, don't become that, you know, little millennial in the workplace that is a bit silly. Don't, and Don't become the stereotype. Yeah. And particularly if um, it's in writing, stay professional. Don't, even if you're annoyed at your Gen X or your baby boomer boss, don't give them the shits via email. Just stay professional. It'll help. Um, so I call that, can I, call, can I give that a, 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 bit, a bit more of a label? I'm going to call that um, emotional intelligence. I'm going to, you know, because 
you know, um, some people are born with an innate amount of, uh, we're all born with an innate amount of emotional intelligence, um, but that whole staying professional when you have experienced something that makes you feel bad um, is using, is, is making a logical decision to, to say, I'm not going to send this email because I'm upset. I'm yeah. not going to have this conversation now because I'm upset and it might, it's, it's not wise. So yeah. understanding that I've got to approach this, um, I've got to use this feeling and make an intelligent decision about how I'm going to behave. Yeah, absolutely. And being emotionally intelligent. That's right. And I think as well, um, phones do come into it a lot in, in, in staying professional in the workplace through like, you know, if you've built a relationship with your boss, don't go to texting them heaps and like communicating them through via text. Keep that professional boundary. Just stay yeah. professional with the people that you work with um, because it can go haywire. And then yeah. you're the lesser, you are the bottom of the, of the rung here. So if something goes wrong, you're out. They're, they're staying, you know. So if you want to, if you want to progress and be loyal and stay in a company, or even just to keep a professional career, just stay professional in every way. Yeah. Um, and then I said a few other things, but I think we've kind of touched on it. I said make like make sure you take initiative, but and, and learn as much as you can, as often yeah. as you can. just okay. keep getting like absorbing as much as you can. So <laughs> you've identified a stack of skills there, a, a massive number of critical skills or skills that you find found really important, um, you don't believe that, um, you, you believe that experience is more essential or is going to be more essential than actually having degrees or multiple degrees. Effective communications cross-generationally um, and having confidence, taking initiative, backing yourself, uh, work on your own professional development and your own skills. Yeah. Um, beast, maintain professionalism always, love what yep. you do and find purpose in your job, hunt down your passion. Gosh, yeah. So many things, right? So now I'm going to ask you last question and I'm very well aware that we've been talking for ages, um, is that advice uh, outside of what you've already given? I, I actually decided to go with the hopes and dreams. Okay, so you're going to answer the question on what are your hopes and dreams? That's right, yeah, because I kind of did just give advice in my yes. last in my yes. last Excellent. Um, but I'll just quickly Excellent. rattle off a few things because I don't need to go into much detail here. Yes. Um, and I'll try and you know cut it short for you. Um, I really want to see this generational gap or this generational barrier dissolve. I don't know how and how long that'll take, and it's going to be. Um, something that'll probably take bumping out a few generations to happen, maybe. Um, who knows? Um, but I think that as Generation Y and Z, we need to we need to try and understand Generation X and baby boomers better, and vice versa. We need to like remove all the stereotypes if we can, and just see each other for what we can actually bring to the table. Um, we have different skills. I mean, like all of these Gen Zs coming in, they can do anything on a computer. You give them an Excel spreadsheet and they can, they can do anything. But tell them how to talk to a CEO of another business and they will sit in the corner and, and whimper. Yeah. They don't have the communication skills to do it. But So we bring different, we dim, we bring different things to our yeah. work and I think that if we could dissolve the barrier, it would make working together... Um, there'd be a lot more like synergy kind of, there would just be so, it would just like interconnect a little bit better. Yeah. Um, 
I just, yeah. Um, and then what was the second thing I said? That I, I dot pointed out a few things under there, but I've just briefly overviewed it. And then I said, um, I want to see um, a little bit more loyalty to companies, but the the actual point I'm making is that I want to see companies change the way they work so they can keep Gen Y and Gen Z loyal. So, like, really... Does that mean breaking down the stereotypes? More just, like, implementing a better culture, yeah, removing yeah. the titles and hierarchy, um, giving, giving growth or, like, allowing Generation Y and Z to have growth potential letting them learn, letting them have a voice, removing those stereotypes, like you said, but just trying to create an environment that will keep people there rather than thinking, oh, they're replaceable, they're going to leave anyway. Um, Giving, like, yeah, giving a voice, giving us responsibility, giving us autonomy, showing us that, um, that you value our input. And I think that if that happens and the culture is great, we will be loyal. We will give you what you want. But yeah. we, we aren't getting it and we're like, well, we want to leave now. You know, like it's yeah, – and I you're, think oh, – you're hunting. I feel like you're hunting for it. You're, 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 until you find it, it's what – it's kind of – your purpose is that to, to find a place where this is the way things work. That's where right. Things, where gens appreciate the differences that they have, different generations appreciate the differences – yeah. And each generation understands that they can learn something um, from each other generation. Like it doesn't yeah. matter how old I am, you, you have a different filter on your experiences in the world than I have because we've gone through different things. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. breaking down those barriers, and then you that will that and having this great culture which we've talked about, and reducing the hierarchy. Flat. Uh, we've heard flatten the curve, right? We want to flatten the structure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and structure. Let's hashtag that. Um, and giving you a vo- like an allowing a voice for everyone, not just for these, you know, kind of older generations. Yeah. Um, will will the result will be loyalty, and That's the right. result and the result will be engagement. That's um, right. And if you, if you show them that they've got growth or you know professional development or they can move around within a business, I mean, you know, like and and find what it is that they're passionate about. You're one hundred percent right. It's not. Um, we will. We will. We will be loyal if we yeah. can find that business that's going to give us things that we really value. Yeah. Um, and and is a huge reason probably why we jump around in different jobs. There's multiple reasons, and I've rattled off a billion of them, but I think that's a big one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that changing the way workplaces work and also um, breaking down that that generational barrier are the two things that I just really hope will will change in yeah. the next little while yeah i agree i i hope they do too that's something that i hope and that's one of the reasons why um from my perspective i'm working with um high school kids to educate them about other generations before they hit the workplace yeah they understand oh not everybody thinks like me not everybody has uses me um, and even though I feel like they're, they might be an old timer or I'm impatient with them because they're not as tech savvy as me, they have other skills that they can teach you. And I'm not talking to you now, Georgia. I'm just talking in general to young people. Yeah. 
So it's both. It's 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 you know for for twelve years I've been working with employers trying to get them to understand and um, lead their young people differently. And now I'm also working on that um, that you know that transition from school to work to give young people an understanding of the expect why why baby boomers are like they are and why Gen Xers are like they are. Mm. Um, you know, so I think it's really important that we continue to work on breaking down these barriers. So what I want to say to you um, in wrapping up, Georgia, you've provided us today with some really interesting insights about your experiences so far over the past decade and the skills and qualities that you find to be crucial in the workplace. Um, as I've said in previous episodes, uh, you might have heard because you've been listening, I'm really excited and inspired by millennials actually <laughs> and our generation Ys and Zs who are in or entering our workplaces with different perspectives than Gen Xs and baby boomers. I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited by it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm frightened I'll become redundant but I'm not because I think that you guys see things in a totally different way. Um, yeah. But that's a good thing and that pushes us outside of our comfort zone and we know that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Um, I'd like to extend my heartfelt thanks Aww. to you. I'm well, sorry it was a long-winded thing. <laughs> for being my guest on our Dare to Care podcast and providing us with your insights and ideas and uh, getting us excited about what we can look forward to in the future. Um, whether, like you, our listeners are young adults um, setting out on their career journey or even high school students preparing to enter the workplace or as employers or parents or educators who've heard now the perspectives of a degree, multiple degree qualified millennial who's now <laughs> wondering why she bothered in some ways. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, and, and getting your perspective. So thank you very much, Georgia, for your time today. You want to say thank bye? Thank you very much for having me. I'm sorry that I rambled and waffled on, on and on. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a pleasure to be here and I hope that I gave you a little bit of insight into yeah. the mind of a Gen Y slash Gen Z. Yeah, thank you. And finally, listeners, if you've enjoyed today's episode, please give our Dare to Care podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And please, if you have a few minutes whilst you are listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a written review. Um, you can also li listen to us on Spotify. Um, if you have questions or comments about the episode, please contact us on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook at Dare to Care, Dare with a two, number two, Care AUS or Australia dare to care AUS and either leave a comment or private message me. We love and truly appreciate your feedback. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm Susan Judd and until our next episode, how are you going to dare to care? Thank you for listening to the Dare to Care podcast. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or find out more about HR Culture and Dare to Care by going to hrculture.com.au. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production.